All right, welcome to Jetstream Live. Uh, really excited to be here today. We've got Taylor Kane. He's the Facebook Technical Director at Pilot House. We're going to be talking about vanity KPIs versus critical KPIs uh, in this post iOS 14.5 world. So really excited to dig in on this topic and really great to have uh, Taylor here to talk about it. So Taylor, uh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Mike. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your role? Because we don't always see the, the title Facebook Technical Director. Uh, so explain exactly what that means and then tell us a little bit about uh, your role and what Pilot House does. Yeah, so it, it's, an, it's definitely an interesting title. Um, so it's probably helpful to kind of share a little bit more about my background. Um, so as, a, as Mike's familiar, I got my start in the uh, app affiliate advertising space before I joined the Pilot House digital team uh, as a Facebook and Instagram media buyer, uh, really specializing there, but also working on post-click uh, optimization. Um, and then uh, now I, I split my time between uh, working with our head of Facebook to help manage our Facebook and Instagram advertising department uh, in my role as Facebook technical director. Um, I'm kind of the, the gatekeeper for uh, any technical upgrades we make in the department, uh, looking at uh, some topics like attribution, working with our other channel teams to coordinate on that for uh, strategies and how we um, approach uh, things like third party uh, data providers or um, uh, different attribution tools or, or different things like that and look at our process. But I'm still very much uh, deep in the weeds when it comes to media buying, uh, working with some of our high growth brands. Um, and that's still where I spend most of my time. So I'm excited to kind of chat on blending those two together. But as far as a Pilot House uh, introduction goes, um, Pilot House is a digital growth partner. Um, we uh, partner with high growth brands, uh, whether primarily D2C, um, but uh, across multiple verticals and different types of products. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've we've grown, we've been growing strong. Um, we're uh, we're we also have uh, our sister company, the uh, DirectToConsumer.co uh, D2C newsletter, um, where we uh, we work to um, provide a lot of. Uh, learning as well from the work that we we do to a, a broader network based on our, our values of being uh, transparent, creating value, um, and uh, and really looking to to fuel brands uh, with uh, the, the proper approach to, to growth um, holistically, which is cool for today's topic, I think, looking at vanity KPIs and uh, what that means in this post iOS 14.5 world. Yeah, yeah, excited to jump in the topic. But before we do that, I just I just want to uh, give a shout out to, to DTC. The, the newsletter is something that uh, is in my inbox uh, pretty regularly. Uh, occasionally it gets in the promotions inbox. So I make sure to put it back into the actual inbox so that I read it. Ton of great value, great content there. So definitely recommend the viewers and listeners uh, check that out. I haven't been checking out the podcast, but there's also a great podcast. So that's worth checking out as well if you want to learn uh, more about uh, D2C e-commerce and how to grow and scale your business. So really great resource there. So glad you pointed that out. Uh, let, let's jump into this topic, though. So what what are the vanity KPIs? What are the critical KPIs? And of course, we're talking about a post iOS 14.5 world where Facebook basically just, well, not Facebook, Apple <laughs> kind of blew everything up and, and we had to reinvent the wheel and go back to, uh, you know, thinking about this totally different. So which KPIs matter? Like, and why? Like, why are they important in this post iOS 14.5 world? Yeah, and like I, th I think it's important to 
take a step back. This is going to sound like vague and corny to begin, but I'll, you'll see where I'm going as I kind of dive in a bit. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like at, Mike, you're familiar with a lot of probably vanity KPIs, like just generally known in the marketing world pre-iOS. So stuff mm -hmm. like if you're just looking at your CPC rather than your link CPC, because, you know, it's like, but interestingly, if you compare both those metrics together, you might see who's clicking to expand to see more on like a Facebook ad and then clicking right. through. And that's telling you actually a really valuable pattern. But if you look at just CPC on its own, you know, you don't really care if your end result that you're looking for is like driving sales profitably. Um, you don't care about like somebody clicking on an image or, or something like that, specifically if they didn't click through and move forward. You're, you might care about why they did that and they didn't click through, but that's kind of where the vanity piece comes in. Um, I think it's really about how you look at the metrics so really, uh, when it comes to like the, the most critical KPI in my eyes, it's, uh, it, I, I like to look at it in terms of like a hierarchy or top down kind of approach. So like, you know, at the end of the day with the brands that we work with, the main thing we're really looking to do is, uh, drive profitable customer acquisition at scale. So, um, a, a key thing there is like, what's the new, new customer CPA. So like an incremental CPA is a great example, um, with, with some brands, you know, ROAS is a great is a great one as well. But even ROAS in this iOS 14.5 world can be a vanity metric, mm -hmm. right? Like we're noticing a lot, uh, and I'm speaking a lot from like the Facebook and Instagram side in particular for, for ads. If we're running lower budgets in campaigns, say we're in like a testing phase, and there are audience limitations on exclusions, like Facebook can't exclude the entire audience the way it once could. And so... Mm -hmm. We might see that our ROAS looks really high, but our return customer rate could also look really high in the store at the same time. And to us, that makes that's when ROAS could become a vanity metric, even because um, really at the end of the day, we're we're looking to drive that incremental value. So um, I think like when it comes down to it, like it it sounds vague, but like a lot of traditional metrics that you might have that you or I might have looked to maybe even a year ago could could become vanity metrics now. So I think the big thing that we're doing before we dive deep into it is we're looking at a lot of like trend, trend line analysis, and then trying to go a little bit deeper and break some of these patterns out in a consistent way as far as building our process around it and looking at some of the third-party data partner type tools that we've uh, we've adopted um, with different brands um, over the past past six to eight months, really since the uh, the whole iOS 14.5 debacle uh, <laughs> full fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And it, it's interesting to hear you say like ROAS is, is potentially a, a vanity metric, right? And, you know, you and I both come from the affiliate marketing space where you know, we didn't really make money unless we were making money for the client, right? And so things were very transactional and it was very much an arbitrage game. We need to buy low and, and sell high, right? We need to, you know, get a click for a dollar and, and turn it into five, right? And, and we're not seeing that anymore. And so a, a metric that we've been looking at, and I'm kind of curious your opinion on this more and more is this, this idea of marketing efficiency ratio, right? So your total ad spend what is it? Your, your total ad spend divided by the revenue of the overall store. So you're taking ROAS instead of applying it just to the transactions that occurred directly from the ads and applying it to the overall earnings of the store to get an idea of how effective and efficient your ads are. Because, you know, this isn't necessarily just an iOS 14.5 problem, but attribution has just been blown apart in the last, you know, five, 10 years. And it's so difficult. So you look at, you know, like, 
a typical path for someone is they discover something on Facebook that they didn't know they needed. They search for it on Google. Uh, they look at it on Amazon to see if they can get it there. Uh, and then they take a break and don't revisit it. Then maybe they get hit with some remarketing. Then they get hit with email or an SMS. And then finally, they decide, hey, I'm going to buy this. And they go directly to the browser at their friend's house. So it's not tracked. And they purchase the product. Right. And so, you know, those ads are doing something, but it's really hard to attribute and give them true credit. And then how do you deal with all the assists? So that's something and I'm curious your thoughts on that. But that's something that we're looking at more and more to make sure the stores understand that, hey, your ads are doing a lot of things here just because they're not directly earning a ROAS doesn't mean that the store overall isn't growing and being successful. Yeah, we're we're in the same boat. We uh, we build our our we structure our uh, partnerships with clients on a uh, like a a growth basically with a growth mindset so that our our teams win when our clients win and we mm -hmm. share together in that that growth. So we're in the exact same boat and we've done the same thing. Um, uh, a lot of our our partnerships now are based on that MER. Um, really looking at it as far as like the basically the ad spend efficiency total across the board. And then within our teams, working on the brands, um, we'll have our Google media buyer, our Facebook media buyer, if that's, for example, me, um, our TikTok media buyer, whoever on whatever channels are involved, we'll all work together to look at the customer journey and try to break it down exactly using whatever sources we can um, and and go from there to allocate the ad spend accordingly. But that's the toughest thing, that first touch data. You know, as a Facebook and Instagram media buyer, that's like pre-iOS, you know, majority of spend I've worked with brands where we're spending 90% of our Facebook ad spend on top of funnel because we right. just were able to, to scale even with premium products where we can scale efficiently and, uh, and find the right blend of offer creative angle and structure and, and do it that way. But when that data starts to go away and you can't see that first touch value fully, it's tricky, right? Like Google analytics being last non-direct click, there's the model, uh, comparison type report and like, all these different reports you can do to try to look at the touch points, but even then it doesn't look aligned with what you would probably expect. Um, it's it's tricky as, as far as, as digging in there. So we have found um, different workarounds. Uh, something that I've done in places is look at uh, creating like a gap between Google Analytics and, and uh, what my key Facebook KPI might be. So it could be Facebook ROAS, and what I'm doing is, you know, when I start my day, I'm looking at how's the return customer rate trending in the store, how's uh, revenue trending in the store overall in that MER side. Then I might go in and look at um, what are my conversion rates in GA for Google Analytics for all my campaigns. Um, how does that compare to what I'm seeing in Facebook? Um, how does that compare to what I've seen in Facebook in the past on a strong day or on a weekday? Or kind of where does it fit into that bucket and how does mm -hmm. this differ? Um, and then make decisions based on that. As we move forward, um, another huge thing we're doing too is we're encouraging a lot of the brands we worked with to think about adding a post-purchase survey. Because at the end of the day, yeah. a post-purchase survey is like zero-party data, right? It's direct from the customer. You can't really beat that. The biggest challenge there is the response rate isn't always going to be 100%. Um, so there's a sense of modeling even within that. Um, and then with, you know, we've worked hard to vet a lot of uh, data partners um, and, and dig in and get a strong understanding of kind of what that process looks like there. Um, there are definitely some really cool ones doing different things with first party data, like stitching on IP and, and stuff that the store gains access to and, um, and then doing some modeling over top of that to find 
like we've had some where when we look at survey, we look at what we've seen historically, like brands we've worked with for a long time pre iOS as well. And we can see, wow, this looks pretty comparable to what we would see before. And we're getting a lot of unlocked features like switching between being able to see time of conversion or time of impression because, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook was time of impression, attribute the sale or the result to when the ad was interacted with rather than when the sale happened, which was valuable for understanding like the window of time of consideration and what's happening behind the scenes, different things like that, being able to even break it out by new customer and repeat customer and optimize accordingly there as well. So there's some cool stuff happening. And then the flip side of that too is the whole incre like, and that's me speaking to multi-touch attribution data partners, um, which is just one side of it. Cause there's the whole incrementality based data partners as well, who do like holdout tests and uh, geo match market where you might influx traffic to like a certain state if you're running in the US um, and then see what that lift looks like over time. And then that gives you an idea of what's your incremental growth baseline. And they'll choose states accordingly based on trend lines and do a lot of regression modeling and all this crazy stuff. So there's there's some really cool stuff happening in the industry. Um, but it, again, it kind of depends brand to brand from, from what we find as far as, you know, where you are in your growth phase, what the right fit is. Um, as things get more complex, you sometimes add those layers to, to help out, but, um, there's some cool stuff happening. I think at the end of the day, I've, my takeaway from all of this is I feel like I'm becoming a stronger media buyer because I'm having to look at so many different things compared to when I was really looking at Facebook in particular. So, yeah, that, that's really interesting. Cause you know, I remember, you know, buying media in the, in the early days, I'd get hung up on a couple metrics. I'm like, oh, click-through rate's really important or conversion rate really matters. And then I would like hone in on that one thing. And it's so much more complex today, right? Where you can't just do that. You can't just say like, okay, I'm going to worry about, you know, ROAS and that's it. It's like, no, you need to be looking at the bigger picture. Uh, and, and something that you said, like, it's obvious that you really understand this on a technical level and, you know, probably more complex uh, levels than, than most people or most media buyers maybe. Uh, but one of the things you said was really interesting is that post-purchase survey. And it's quite simple to do. It, it is kind of like an archaic tactic. It's something, you know, a throwback from, you know, uh, you know, offline media, print, radio, TV, like, hey, mention this ad and we'll give you 10% off. But it works. And the interesting thing about it is you can kind of forget about first touch, last touch, you know, whatever attribution model you're using, because you could just say something like, tell us where you found us. And it'd be really interesting to see like which ad kind of had the most impact. So maybe they realized that, hey, I originally saw this on Facebook. Then I searched it on Google. Then I got an email. Then I saw this retargeting ad. But where do they believe they found that? So you can structure the questioning around that, trying to get at your own goal. Um, the difficult piece in that is that that doesn't mean that you can suddenly turn off the spend on Facebook and say, hey, all our conversions are coming from Google. But it does give you some interesting insight right from the user to say like, hey, where did you find this? And where did like, what is the thing in the journey or what part of the funnel had the most impact uh, on them? And I think that's really, really interesting. And it's it's simple, right? So I think a lot of people can can enable that uh, that type of tracking. Yeah, like a great um, app if you have a Shopify store to check out is Enquire Labs. Um, it's pretty reasonably priced and uh, it it's an easy setup process too but yeah it's exactly that and then i think what's really cool from there is like you know our structure on teams is typically we have specialists for each um channel typically um but then when those specialists get 
reach a certain point in understanding the whole ecosystem and, and other channels as well, then we typically assign kind of a point person for a brand to help just oversee a general process above all of that as well and make sure that everything's uh, flowing the way that we need to and we're addressing any challenges that come up as a team and things like that. Um, and so for me, I feel like since all of this has happened, I mean, I'm very, very comfortable with like where Google typically fits into the funnel. And exactly as you, as you mentioned, you know, if I see X in the survey and I see Y in the data here, then I'm going to look at what's the Y behind that? Because I, like really why, why is it that way? And then from there, you just, you know, you realize, oh, like Facebook might be getting all the survey re responses about how I heard about this brand, you know, when I've purchased, because that's when we run that survey. Um, but Google is so important to, converting and maximizing our efficiency combined with what we're doing on Facebook. And it's important to beating out competitors on the search side where there's already a little bit of intent in that, that position. So there's all these types of learnings that can be had for, for teams if you're specialized in a, in a certain spot. And if you're not, it's, it's cool to then blend all of that information together into your strategy and, and build it, build it from there. Cause um, yeah, that's the trickiest thing, right? Like now, even in the MER system, it's, it's proving why it's so valuable to spend X on this channel compared to this channel and, and moving through that. So that's kind of where, where we're at, but we've, we've got some, uh, some process that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And, you know, we've, there, there are certain things you can do too. A good example is there's a brand, uh, I'm working with where last, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, we launched a new, new offer. Um, and you know, we were spending a couple, couple thousand a day beforehand and we were able to break, break well past five figures and spend per day very quickly because we saw mm. the trend line change by launching that new offer. And we felt very confident in what direction it was going. And, and then being able to get more experiences like that too. Um, and, and see, you know, I'm looking at what changed in Google analytics, what changed uh, in our data partner in that case, what changed in uh, the survey and all these types of things. And we're constantly looking at that even on a daily basis and making decisions based on where that's going and, and things like that too. So yeah, there's lots of cool opportunities still out there. It's just a matter of triangulating and getting comfortable with all these different uh, places to look in this new world. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, digital marketing, you know, over my lifetime is, is always changed and constantly changed. And there's been some big things along the way. This iOS 14.5 thing is definitely a big thing that has shifted. But if you look at it with the right attitude, you know, it really is an opportunity, right? It creates an opportunity for various tools to come out to do a good job of you know, figuring out the gaps uh, in, in what we've lost. It also creates an opportunity for the industry to evolve and change and grow. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, uh, but it is certainly a challenge that we're all dealing with. Uh, but I, I want to circle back uh, on this topic because, you know, we wanted to talk about vanity KPIs and versus critical KPIs. And so I'm curious if you could kind of rattle off a list of like, these are the ones that, you know, Taylor feels like are vanity KPIs. And maybe there are no true vanity KPIs because uh, they're all, you know, if you, if you take a bunch of them and, you know, it might give you some insight. But I'm curious your thoughts, like which ones are the vanity ones that you're like, yeah, they're, they're nice, but they don't really do much for me. Yeah, and I, I feel like this <laughs> this might be a bit of a curveball, but I my take is that really any KPI is a pure standalone that isn't based like centered on your business objective is a, a vanity KPI sure. at this stage of the game. So for me, if I'm like Facebook ROAS on its own, that's to me a vanity KPI um, without the relativity or looking at the trend lines, especially knowing that Facebook's modeled. And I, I won't go on a tangent there, but um, I think like 
you know, at, when it comes down to it, um, I like a lot of people would argue that like time on time on site on in Google Analytics or bounce rate, those could be vanity metrics, CPC, CTR without going to like outbound uh, like C link CPC basically or uh, outbound link CTR. Um, just the CPCs and CTRs would be vanity. Conversion rate can be vanity if you're not factoring in your AOV or uh, your LTV. Right like your lifetime value, your average order value, um, or the cost on the front end. ROAS basically holistically calculates that for you. So it's typically a step up in that kind of direction or CPA can be as well. But again, that misses the the average order value side of things. So I, to me, it's really just, it, it's more, yeah, it's, it's more the process when it comes down to it. Like if, if, you know, if I see in a, in a Facebook group, I'm in someone post about the Facebook ROAS they got and then build a case study around that. And to me, I'm wondering, okay, like what is the actual goal here though? Because, you know, our, most brands are likely going to want a mix of scale, like top line growth and then bottom line growth as well, like the efficiency side of things. So if I just see a ROAS metric with a certain amount of revenue, I don't really know where that sits from like a, a, a what I'm looking for perspective. And I, I also don't know what's happening on other channels if it's just Facebook ROAS. Um, so to me, that's kind of a, okay, like, the full story is not being shown in, in this. And that's really where I, I think it, it, it just brings you up a whole level when you're looking at that entire picture. So yeah, as far as like uh, specific vanity metrics, there are a lot that, that kind of could be, but there are a lot that I also use to problem solve um, and try to get a sense of what's happening. Like if I see my, my link CTR is really strong and my, my CPMs in it in, what I would consider like a healthy space. It's not too high, not too low. So there's decent audience quality that looks scalable. Um, you know, my cost per add to cart cost per checkout initiated are, are at this point. And I'm the big thing I'm looking for is like, where's the biggest spike in cost happening or the biggest drop in efficiency um, along the chain. And then comparing that to what I'm seeing on the deeper side, which is the most important, the, the end, uh, end result and seeing, you know, is it scalable with where it's at right now? And if it's not, I'm trying to, problem solve using a blend of KPIs too. We haven't talked too much about the landing page or post click side of things, but um, a big thing we use at Pilot House is also your click through rate between a landing page and your your next step, like your product PDP or uh, the, the checkout page essentially. Um, but that on its own, you know, can only tell you so much, but when you're looking at it and you're seeing where that is, how that compares over time, that's kind of where we start to get deeper and think, okay, like what's changed within our audience? Um, what's happened here or there? And I think the big thing too is a big part of my role is analyzing the external trends that brands are facing at a given time as well with consumer patterns and stuff. And as we know, it's a tough time for consumers right now. So that is like a moving mm -hmm. target on, on the other side of everything that we're constantly navigating as well. So I think, I think like, you know, the, the ROAS I'm getting now relative to what my ROAS was even say a year ago, there might be a difference there, right? As far as um, how we're adjusting uh, targets and, and et cetera, et cetera. Like the, and, uh, and then looking at learnings on lifetime value as well. I think one of the most powerful uh, KPIs that doesn't get as much credit as it probably deserves it or, or as much uh, like insight and, and focus um, is that lifetime value of a customer. Yeah. Feeling confident in that, right? Because yeah. if you can scale on that, that just unlocks so much opportunity 
Um, and it, it then is a marker for the entire process from the marketing on the front to what's happening on the back and how the whole business is functioning. So yeah, does that kind of answer the question? I mean, it, it, I don't like rambling or, or kind of dancing around the topic. I like to be direct and answer straight yeah. up. That's how I feel feel about the topic. Yeah, no, that that, that that's great. And and Hayden gave you a shout out here. Says Taylor knows his stuff, and I think he just demonstrated that by letting us know, you know, which which KPIs are, are vanity and really really interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned conversion rate because it's something that, uh, you know, you could get an amazing conversion rate if you drop your price of your product to like a dollar, right? And and so you know that may be part of your model is to like sell it for a dollar and then you know get some upside. As long as the LTV is there, you know that might be a, a worthwhile strategy. And that's a you know, poor example, but you, you know what I mean. But a lot of things in a silo or on their own can potentially be vanity metrics unless they're in combination with something else. And I think that those like the the AOV, the LTV, you know, conversion rate. Uh, you know, are, are quite important. And now, you know, really seeing this marketing efficiency ratio, it, it's telling me that uh, we're breaking away from this just like straight transaction. Like we got to click, we got to sale because it used to be that way. Right. And we already talked about that, but it used to be like, oh, we got them to our landing page. Don't let them go anywhere else. We got to funnel them in. And it might actually be, you know, hey, we just want to expose them to this and show them this as part of the journey to get them to that place to become a customer. And I think you can actually acquire a customer without actually having them purchase, right? Like let's get them to sign up to our newsletter. They're now a customer. They may even skip over the purchase part and become an ambassador, become someone, you know, they could become like an influencer. They can talk about your brand. They could be selling your product and never actually have purchased it themselves. So I, I think that that's really, really interesting. And I think that's something that doesn't get calculated or doesn't get factored in when you're running ads, when you're creating that exposure, <laughs> you know, for the, for the company, you really need to look at the overall picture of how things are going and how things are growing. And in some cases you might have to grow it almost like a break even where, Hey, I spent a hundred grand on my ads and I made a hundred grand, but I'm heading, like you mentioned the trend lines, I'm heading in this direction and eventually it's going to be worthwhile. And it's just not, it's just not the same as it was maybe like 10 years ago where you're like, okay, I'm going to buy some ads for, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Then I'll turn it around and be super profitable and I'll scale up from there. And then maybe I'll think about building a brand, right? It's like, no, no, you got to build a brand from the heart, from the start. And then it's a steep climb uphill and you got to be committed to following through. So uh, I, I think that, you know, it's a really, really interesting time uh, as well. And so I'm not, now I'm curious uh, as I ramble a little bit there, what are the really critical KPIs? And you already talked a little bit about some of them, but just to point them out and just be like, man, these are the ones that you absolutely need to have. And I just want to reinforce that for the audience that like, you know, Taylor, Facebook technical director at Pilot House, really believes in these ones. And you need to listen to this guy because he knows his stuff. Yeah, I, I before I move into that too, you mentioned some really cool stuff. I, like I, uh, I was doing some research before our, LinkedIn live here just to, to see what do other people think vanity KPIs are. Yeah. And I saw stuff like uh, comments, likes and shares on Facebook coming up. And I thought, you know, I've, se I've seen people make the argument and in some cases you can make the argument that your social proof uh, as a standalone, right? Like it, it may not add a ton, a ton of value to your, your bottom line, but like if you're, if you're running ads with, you know, a hundred testimonials in the comments, like people read that and people are yeah. going to believe what they hear from their Good friends, stuff. as you mentioned, like ambassadors and stuff like that too. So it's, 
it's yeah there's that that whole argument to be made on that side but yeah digging into the ones that are the most most important in my perspective if i had to rank it i mean you're i think the mer one is the most important overall because that gives you your guide against what your target is and relative to the the phase of growth your your company's at because you know there are you can make the effort to to really accelerate growth fast it's it's definitely possible but it's going to be different depending on all the mechanics of your business and, and everything every time depending on the brand so i think the mer is important though um you know the, the worst thing you can do is get too excited about a single channel and then see that maybe it's over reporting and then now there's <laughs> that's not reflected in your actual business's efforts so it's it's good for having that like taking that step back and centering on that i think the lifetime value has to be one of the top ones if if you're able to start calculating that. I mean, earlier on, you can get a sense of like, what's your average order value? And then being able to understand that, like it, it just makes a huge, huge difference. Like if your lifetime value is like $600, right. That gives you so much room to like, to, to look at spending accordingly on, on your front end channels and, and bringing people in and bringing the right people in because more expensive customers sometimes can be more expensive to, to acquire. You, you do right. get what you pay for in some ways, <laughs> but I think that's huge. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, you know, on a daily basis, I'm looking at my ROAS uh, in 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 like another data partner type tool. I'm looking at my GA conversion rate, but I'm running like my GA conversion rate at the campaign level on Facebook based on like a look at my link CPC. I'll figure out what my target CPA is based on my AOV and based on the LTV. And then I'll look at, OK, what do I need my GA conversion rate to be by taking link CPC and dividing that by, uh, cause like ideally you get that one good click that then results in a conversion. I divide that by my target CPA. Um, and then I get a sense of what that needs to be. And I look at a comparison of how does that compare to when I was at a very strong point, where does it look like I'm at now just because of the first touch factor, like I'm missing some of that first touch data if I'm looking in GA, um, and I'm comparing all of those together and then looking at you know, yeah, what, what's my, what's my, what's my budget allocation in total and how are we looking across channels for budget allocation and then making those decisions to move in different directions and building my angles, my creative tests, um, everything around, uh, what basically those deeper metrics as I keep looking, looking, but yeah, I think like the, the most important ones, definitely your MER, your, your overall revenue, your lifetime value, your, how your repeat customer rate is changing. Um, on Facebook, your link CPC or like outbound CPC, basically your link CTR, outbound CTR, um, your CPM, like how that's, I use that more of a, a changing mm -hmm. met, how it changes metric just to get a sense of audience quality. Do I think the algorithms changed? If I've seen a performance change, all these types of things, um, my cost per add to cart, cost per checkout initiated, my CPA, my ROAS, and I'm looking at them all holistically. So yeah, that's kind of, uh, yeah. But, Fun one for the landing page side of uh, earnings per click or EPC. That's one we also use, uh, which is basically if you're able to track it, like a, a metric on how much revenue you're getting back per uh, basically link click. So that one's kind of a cool one to look at too, because it, it gives you like another holistic one. And if you're able to compare what your landing page EPC is across landing pages, you can make optimizations and, and adjust based on that too. Yeah, that that feels like a throwback to me. That's like EPC is like, man, that's old school. Because that when I when I used to buy on Google Ads, uh, you know, you you would look at because you could you could only do it by by really bidding per click, right? And you're like, okay, if I'm earning four dollars per click, I can afford to bid, you know, seventy five cents 
right? Because I know that if I get so many transactions through at a certain conversion rate, my earnings per click is going to continue to hold. And I'm going to be successful, right? And that's where you're like, okay, this is the arbitrage game, right? It's basically buy at a low CPC, earn at and so I, I like that one. I'm glad you threw that as well. So, for sure, I, I uh, I'm kind of curious uh, about uh, some of these other platforms that have come up. Maybe this is more of an iOS 14.5 question, uh, but you know we hear a lot about Triple Whale. Yeah. Um, there's a tool called Elevar, which I think you mentioned to me in the past. Um, what's the one? Something something Beam North Beam. Northbeam.io. Yep. Yeah. Any of those tools that you feel like are effective in this iOS 14.5 world or that help you track the KPIs that matter? Yeah. I mean, all three of those uh, various clients, like we, we typically work client by client and look at potential fit. You know, I, I think a big concern with these tools is you want the benefit that you're going to get relative to your scale to outweigh the cost as you learn mm -hmm. more about the tool. Um, and a big thing we've learned too, you know, with, with multi-touch attribution, it's incredibly valuable. Like with some of these tools, I, I mentioned being able to switch between time of impression, time of conversion, see first time customer versus repeat, have real time data, um, really be able to get a good grip on how that works, have access to multiple attribution models. So that depending on what my goals, you know, I can pick the one that looks like the best fit based on what I'm looking for. Um, and they do some modeling, uh, some of them like Northbeam, for example, does, does some, some cool, uh, cool work with like a, a stitch and model kind of combination, uh, which their team can speak to a lot, a lot better, but we've seen some, some cool stuff, uh, with all, all three of those tools kind of depending on fit. So, um, I think the, the only key thing is, I think, as you're going through too, you want to get a sense of like what kind of support you're going to get from the technical side with them as well, because, you know, with, right. uh, with all of this, like attribution is never going to be, it's, it's directionally accurate. It's never going to be perfect, but you might see like different things happen in the, the ecosystem or with your, with your consumer behavior that can totally change how things look in different places. And it can be, it can be overwhelming at times too. Yeah. Um, but these teams have great, great support teams, great, uh, great offerings, um, kind of depending on the situation. And, um, there's a, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some, uh, there's definitely like, uh, it, it's definitely, you always want to be cautious with these types, types of things, but, um, they're, they're, they're worth a look, um, to see if there's a potential fit there as far as adding value to, to your, your business. Um, but yeah, we, uh, and I think the big thing is like, if based on today's conversation, if you feel like you've got a really good understanding of a lot of these, like where channels fit into your journey and what things should look like, like as you're, as you're looking and, and asking those questions about why things look this way versus that way, um, then that that's, you know, typically a good indicator of being, I, I would say like uh, ready to, to, to kind of look at an integration like that and, and then yeah. be able to like troubleshoot if anything comes up, but also uh, get as much value as you can out of it. Um, because at the end of the day, like with, with multi-touch attribution type stuff, there's always going to be some level of bias. Someone's saying this platform should have this weight because it did this and all this type of stuff. And so it's really just about like understanding, you know, is that centered on what your overall business goals are? If it's to acquire new customers and you really rely heavily on first touch data, then what you're looking at should reflect that. If it's, you know, if you're, if your business is more focused on the LTV side and, and retaining customers and things, then your data should look kind of aligned with that. So, and then you understanding like what efforts 
have driven those lifts, that's all important as part of this. And I, I think having like a post-purchase survey to be able to also give yourself that zero party data base to look at where people are saying they're, they're coming from, et cetera, et cetera. That's really helpful too. So that's kind of my long winded <laughs> takeaway on this. Um, if, if that's helpful there as well. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like, you know, right tool for the right job and, uh, you know, make sure you have the right, uh, amount of, uh, earnings coming in to justify the cost of, of some of these services, right? You don't want to just slap on a solution that you don't really need. That's much more work, uh, and effort to manage than, uh, it is for what it draws for outcome. So, uh, Taylor, we really appreciate your time uh, today on, on the podcast and joining us here live today. Uh, always great to chat with you. I'd love to do another one of these maybe in the, in the near future. We can talk about uh, what new challenges have arose uh, and, and which KPIs maybe have shifted from critical to uh, vanity. So uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, any, any parting words, anything else you wanted to mention uh, before we uh, sign off here? No, just a good luck to everybody out there as they continue to look at uh, look at growing their businesses during this during this time. It's it's a it's a, a wild time for sure, but a, a great time for lots of learning and I think accelerated personal growth and, and business growth uh, all all together. Absolutely. Uh, if the if uh, anyone wants to connect with you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, and also uh, Pilot House as well. Yeah, uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, LinkedIn is the best place to do so. Um, and uh, that's just Taylor Kane. <laughs> you can you can find me. Uh, and uh, yeah, with Pilot House, you can check out our website. Um, I'd highly recommend uh, tuning into the uh, D2C newsletter, as Mike mentioned. Okay. We have a podcast. We've got great articles coming out. Uh, we recently dropped a, a Facebook article article about related to this about uh, which we called poking the bear and kind of some strategy around this. Um, so uh, yeah, I highly recommend that it's direct to consumer.co. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, you can stay tuned for uh, kind of the latest updates from our side as, as we continue to, to navigate this world as well. Awesome. I, I just saw that one come into my inbox. I'm gonna have to check that one out. So nice. uh, th th thanks again, Taylor. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everyone that's, that's tuning in and listening and watching. Uh, here today and uh, hopefully you've learned something i don't know how you couldn't have uh, with all the stuff that taylor has shared so uh, thanks again taylor we'll, we'll do this again soon cool cool thanks for having me mike chat soon all right bye for now